Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. touching our heart and just strengthening us by the word of the Lord. I didn't know where we were going on the deals with the Avalon and the Yugos. If you've, if you've been around a little while, you may remember the Yugos. One of the unique thing about them, some models came with a rear defrost. It's a very, very plain car, but some models came with a rear defroster in the back glass and and someone later determined that was to keep your hands warm when you pushed it home. And, uh, <laughs> so you'd really made out like a bandit on that trade line. You go for it. Avalon. I mean, we're thankful. A few uh, months ago, as you were aware, a very, very devastating hurricane struck the panhandle predominantly, predominantly the the Panama City and the Big Bend area decimated lives, countless, countless lives, and the stories were still unfolding. And um, many of our own churches, as well as many, many churches, of course, were completely and have suffered complete losses. And uh, some of them were damaged. But some of those maybe on this, uh, this side and not right in the eye of the storm had a little bit less damage, but quite a bit of damage. And uh, a few weeks ago, Brother Darrell and Brother Toby joined up with some other men in our district that went to Port St. Joe to help the church there. And I've asked him to come and just share a little bit about that. And we're very thankful to have been just a small part uh, of, of a restoration effort here. Brother Darrell, would you come and talk? Praise the Lord. What's amazing is how vast how big a storm can be but then to not be affected by it no more than what we were you take that for granted whenever michael came through we didn't even lose electricity we just kind of wrote it out watching tv yeah, is it going to make it's going to hit us and we did not we saw videos we talked about it i heard phone calls brother sims went out to the panhandle rodney weekly went out there who organizes a lot of the trips that we're associated with and said, man, it's bad. Well, we need to get a trip together. And we kept talking back and forth. Brother Boyd taught that we may need to go out there. A lot of the local churches to the area of the Panhandle helped get them cleaned up, get everything organized so they could assess the damage. Right. That, that Hurricane Michael happened, you know, 15, well, four months ago now, about the second week of October. Storm lasted about two weeks from the time it became a name storm until it was over with. But uh, we heard, kept hurt, hearing and seeing pictures of the damage. And back around Thanksgiving, Toby and I went to Bainbridge and did a job from Hurricane Michael damage. And we got up there, and Bainbridge is a long way inland Absolutely. from the ocean. And they had, it, it was bad. Worse than anything I've ever seen in Lake City. They had pine trees as big around as this table, hundreds and thousands of pine trees snapped off, pivot irrigation blown over, just crops devastated in Bainbridge. It went all the way up past Bainbridge, went on through. For a storm to be that severe, that far inland, yes. is unheard of in my opinion. I've never seen it, which I'm only 35, but never really read much about it, seen many pictures, but... um. Time progressed, and we had got a, a trip put together the way that these days and day and age is. Everything's got to be engineered. Everything's got to be inspected. So by the time, from the time the storm happened to the time that we could go work on the building was 15 weeks. Wow. It took that long. This church has been displaced for, for probably 18 weeks now. 
18 weeks they have not been able to have a conventional church service. At least they still have a sanctuary. They still have a building. Both of their buildings are still there. The, um, their major damage on their church was water. If you step out into the road and you look down the road towards the bay, you see the bay. All you see is water. They're one block, one block off the bay. Beautiful place. It is a, it's a tourist destination. When you're there, you, you get to talk to the pastor. Everybody's in good spirits. The pastor was there. He was in a good mood and happy. His father-in-law was there. His father-in-law has lost his house, been living with his son-in-law, which is the pastor, happy as he can be, thankful they're alive, good spirits. But um, what our project was, was we went in, do you have the picture, Sarah? Have they been back there the whole time? <laughs> We've... Uh, right before the storm, Brother Michael Martin from Gainesville had a, had a crew put together. They went down that they'd been in the process of remodeling their church. This is a bigger church. They're remodeling it. I don't think they've actually had to have, they've not had to have a service in it finished. They were getting close. They had finished the new platform. The next week, Hurricane Michael came through. They, so this is, they've just spent thousands on a, on a platform, thousands on a renovation, Right there nearing the finish line, and here comes Hurricane Michael. It had heart cypress and heart pine on the walls, beautiful. The pastor's father-in-law, if I understood him correct, his father and grandfather cut the lumber. Heart pine, beautiful, tough, didn't rock it. But water, if you see the windows, water came up. Water was up to the bottom of the windows in the sanctuary. And that's probably half a mile from the bay. And that property, it looked to me like it was kind of on a hill. So, you know, you have that wall from that wall of water when you're coming out from Apalachicola all the way around to Mexico Beach, 10 10 miles, 15 miles down the road. We were talking to the owners of a restaurant we were eating at. They have in Mexico Beach, they had 2,700 structures and 500 of them are left. That was 10 to 15 miles down the road. So as catastrophic as this was for this church, as bad as it was, it could have been a whole lot worse. Everybody we talked to out there was in a good mood, happy to be there, happy to have what they had left. And I'm thankful that we had the privilege to be a part of it. As a church, we've got to be, we've got to have a reputation if you have building that needs to be done that we're normally on a trip. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to have a gift. Have, thankful to use that opportunity. We, uh, what our original job, Brother Toby and mine, was to go out there and build the platform. And uh, that's why we did not contact, get up with a bunch of other guys, Brother Larry. We did not realize until, until we did not realize until about two days before that the Brother Michael had went back out and jumped on the fire on the pulpit or on the platform, and we were going to become drywall men. T.R. and I are not drywall men, but we hung the sanctuary. Us, our little crew. There was fourteen guys, I believe. We had a little group of about four people. We hung the sanctuary. Can we, we might need a job with you if we? So keep that in mind with hangers, but. We want a little bit more than what the, what the hangers get. So, we hang it with love. We got to work with Brother Michael Martin from Gainesville. They kept telling me about the pastor there, Brother Chris Richardson, Brother Chris Richardson. Yeah, I just keep smiling. And they keep telling me this like I know him. But if you've ever been to Gainesville or if you've ever been to anywhere in Ocala, you've seen Brother Chris Richardson. He's... A, Kind of husky guy like me, blonde hair. He kind of happy, walks around, smiles, and talks to everybody. But he was raised in Apalachicola. His wife was raised in this church. Several years ago, he took over as pastor. And that church has a lot of ties 
to Gainesville in our area over here. His, the pastor's father-in-law, I believe all of his daughters went to school in Gainesville, went to school or went to church at Brother Arnold's church. I think they married a lot of people from, married some of those guys. So we've been crossing paths with a lot of these people and we've never, never realized who they were. I have not realized who they were. And I'm thankful for the privilege that we had to do that. And thank you as a church for allowing us to be a part of this. Thank you for your support, your love and prayers, and we appreciate you. I'm very, very thankful for uh, their willingness to go and help and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have taken very, very much at all in the way of a storm shifting for that to be us. And uh, so I can't imagine being displaced for that long, but I'm very thankful that we have a place that we can come. But uh, on that note, we certainly need to pray for those who are closer to the storm. We have several friends who have, some of them have no building whatsoever. They've been in a tent for a little while. And, uh, but, and others just have no idea what they're going to do. And so let's just pray and ask God to touch them. They really, really need the Lord. If we've ever need him, we sure do need him now. Amen. Would you stand with me one more time? I know we've been a little bit up and down, and I'm just going to ask you today to pray that the Lord will touch his word. Amen. His word is certainly a live seed. And if we'll be receptive to his word, I believe he can touch us and strengthen us this morning. The book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, we're going to read down through verse 49. The Bible says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. This morning, I'm on a mission. Amen. I want to plant some seed. That's what I, with the help of the Lord, want to do today. I want to plant some seed. The Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. So whatever you want in your life, that's what you ought to plant in your life. Amen. And so we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to touch us today. I want to talk about a, a subject that may be very familiar to some, but it may not be all that familiar to, to everyone. And I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I love you today and I thank you for your power and your word. And I'm asking you today, God, to be our strength, to help us today. Not just to hear your word with our ear, but I pray that you'll help us to hear your word with our heart. Let the strength and the anointing and the authority of the Holy Ghost today touch us and be for us what we need it to be right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated and may the Lord bless you. And again, we thank you for being here today. Amen. I am thankful for the Holy Ghost. I try, I, very, I try very, very diligently to say that to the Lord every day. I thank you for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Not just the, not as I preached about Wednesday night, not just the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost, but I'm thankful for the keeping power, the preserving power, the times that the Holy Ghost keeps me, leads me, guides me, directs me, in those seasons that I'm not even really aware that he is standing right there and, and he was the author of many, many situations, his spirit in my life. I want to talk to you today about the importance of receiving the Holy Ghost. In Acts 19 and 4, the Bible says, Then Paul, John, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, the Bible says, this is, of course, are the disciples of John the Baptist. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, I believe today with all of my heart, and I just, I'm, I'm just preaching from the Bible now. I'm preaching from the same book you could go in any bookstore and buy. This is not our, our slant. This is not our version. 
But I believe that receiving the Holy Ghost is by far the most important spiritual event that a person could ever experience in God. It is life-changing. It is a wonderful thing. I will never forget where I was when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So many details about that moment, so many details about that moment, I believe are etched in the hearts of every one of us. Amen. Receiving that initial experience, and, and I'm thankful for that initial experience. I really am. I'm thankful for what the Lord did for me that night. But I realize, I come to realize that the Holy Ghost was not just an event. It wasn't just something that took place and, and we wrote it down on the calendar. We have it sort of etched in our own personal history. But I'm thankful for the keeping power of the Spirit of God that has led me, His Spirit in me, has, and His Spirit in you, has, the Bible says, that would lead us and guide us into all truth. Amen. And so we're not just talking about an event, but we're talking about a living experience. Much emphasis has been placed on receiving the Holy Ghost. And, and that's rightly so because it is an essential component to new birth. Jesus said it this way, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of, of God. And so I'm thankful for that command and that commission. This is not a suggestion. This is not if you get around to it or if it fits into your plan. Jesus said that we must be born of the water and of the spirit. I, I'm thankful for the great spiritual awakening, if I may put it that way, of receiving the Holy Ghost by many, many people in many churches. I'm thankful for this spiritual awakening and as with anything, a spiritual awakening can give birth to several questions. Amen. But I'm thankful for the word of God who leaves none of those questions unanswered. If we are in search of something, if we have a question in our heart, God's word can fill in that blank. Amen. I'm thankful for that. The Lord, I believe, desires everybody to know the truth of this great experience. I believe it is a very wonderful thing to obediently walk after the aspects of the word of God and the truths of his word. But I also believe that knowledge is power. And when we not just do something, but we understand why we do what we do, that empowers us, amen, that truly empowers us. Nothing, I believe, could be greater than the spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of us. I understand that the perhaps the, the gap that may exist here this morning, maybe not understanding all of the nuances of the Old Testament and how that we needed a great high priest or we had needed a high priest to go in our behalf and speak with God and, and offer sacrifices for our sins. Nothing could be done uh, by man himself. It had to be a designated, by common man himself, it has to be a designated person. I understand there may be a little gap of, of misunderstanding there or the lack of understanding, but if I could just fast forward and say that we don't have Christ beside us today. We don't have Christ around us today. We don't have the power of God just within reach through someone else today, but because of Calvary's cross, we have the privilege to be filled with his spirit. That means that whatever happens in our life, he is with us. He is there. He goes to bed with me. He wakes up with me. I, I don't pick him up and set him down, pick him up and take him with me. Amen. I'm thankful for the spirit of the Lord. And there is nothing greater. I don't know of any other experience I've ever had in my life like the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just for a few select people. The Holy Ghost is not just for some, not for others. Amen. But the Bible said in Acts 2.39 that it is to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The infilling of the Spirit provides all of us the ability, the power, the strength to live an overcoming life. We don't have to be bound by sin from now on. Amen. We don't have to be in, in we don't have to be captured by the by and entangled by the snare of sin, but it gives us power to overcome the devil. It gives us power to overcome sin gives us power to overcome things in the world. Absolutely. And if you're here today and you've overcome any of those three things, would you just shout amen? amen. <laughs> God gave us the power to overcome some sins perhaps in your life, some things that were even 
maybe besetting sins that you wondered at times if you would ever get the victory over it. Aren't you thankful that somewhere along the line, the spirit of the Lord gave you overcoming power? Amen. I know for some and in many areas, some things God just instantly took out of our life. It just was eradicated in a moment of time. I'm thankful for the infilling of the power of God. Not only does he just cleanse us, give us the power to overcome sin, but he also also empowers us to live lives where we can be an effective witness in the world in which we live. Our lives are transformed supernaturally by the Spirit of God. I'm gonna tell you, there's many in this house and many around our world that have received the Holy Ghost and people around them, friends and family members and co-workers that said, you know, there's just something different about you. I don't really understand what it was and it wasn't the way you all of a sudden combed your hair. It wasn't the way you did this. It was just something inside that was different. A countenance was changed. Amen. I've watched the countenance of many people that are sitting here be changed in a moment of time by the infilling of the Spirit of God. Our lives are transformed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That Holy Ghost comes with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I don't know of a greater example. I don't know of a greater way to evidence the power of God moving in and taking authority in a life. The writer of James said that no man could tongue the could tame the tongue that you could ride you could you could ride a horse and you could guide it with bits you could you could steer a ship with a rudder in the ocean but he said, but no man can tame the tongue. Amen. I don't think it's happenstance that the Lord said, I am going to use that as evidence that I have moved into a life. Amen. We're going to yield that. I'm going to tell you that we don't give tongue talking classes. We don't try to walk anybody through that because it's not necessary. When the Holy Ghost moves in, amen, there's going to be an evidence of his moving by the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are searching the scriptures and and, in searching the scriptures and looking into them, we find the precepts of what we need to do. As a matter of fact, when Simon Peter preached the very first message after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the upper room, while he was preaching, one man spoke up and he was just a spokesman for all that were standing there when he said, what must we do to be saved? I'm thankful that Simon Peter didn't look around, try to clear his throat. I'm glad that he didn't ask to go and talk with the other 11, but friend, he just stood and boldly declared, amen, that we need to repent of our sins and be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen, we're not saved by works. We're certainly saved by the grace of God. However, the scriptures do plainly teach that there are things that we must do. Amen. However, amen, the Bible says in James 2.17, even so, if if it hath, talking of faith, it says, if it hath not works, it is dead being alone. There's gotta be something inside of our lives. There's gotta be something about us. There's gotta be something that the world can see that is different after we have been filled with the Spirit of God. And we need to realize that when faith is generated in our heart, it's gonna cause us to act on the faith of God's word and it will cause a spirit of obedience to acquiesce to the will of God. Amen. And we pray sincerely, not my will, but thy will be done. I believe that salvation, the salvation process, of course, begins with faith. The writer of Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Paul, speaking to the Philippian jailer, explained to him how he could be saved. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Amen, if we are to be saved, if we are to be rescued, amen, from the the wages of sin, then we've got to start by believing that Jesus Christ is our Savior. But there is more to salvation friend than just believing amen because their faith to believe is going to come by hearing and accepting and obeying the word of God I got to hear it 
I got to accept it and I got to rise in obedience to it. There's a lot of people who know the word of God. There's a lot of people who know the plan of salvation, but they haven't accepted it and they're not walking in it today. Amen. So I need to know that I can't just hear this. Can I tell you this morning that you're never going to be the same when this service is over? You're never going to ever be the same again. Why? Not because Steve Boyd is holding this microphone. Not because Wayne Williams held the microphone this morning. Not because somebody played a song and somebody sang a song. But we're not going to be ever the same because the preached and declared word of God has gone before us. It has gone forth before us. Amen. And that word that can change us now, we are going to be accountable to the word of God. The Bible says that we need to repent. To repent is to genuinely change not just our our direction, but we got to change our attitude about sin. The Bible said of Job, he didn't just love God. Amen. The Bible also says of Job that he eschewed or he hated evil. Can I tell you, it's not enough to just love God. We need to hate evil. There ought to be something that stirs in the heart of righteous people when we read all that's going on in our world and when we read everything that's being sanctioned by the leadership of our world. Amen. Something ought to stir up in us. Amen. We need to not just love God, but we need to hate the sin that is in this world. Jesus died that the world might be able to be saved from sin and we need to recognize that we are sinners and I am in need of a savior and I gotta repent. I've gotta repent for every sinful act. I was a young man when I repented but even as a young man, I couldn't remember all my sins. I couldn't have named them one by one. You can't name them one by one. But the Bible says of the word that it is a discerner of the thought and the intent of our heart. And when I knelt down in an altar of true repentance and I was sorry for everything I had ever done, amen, the Lord knew I couldn't capture them all and list them one by one, amen, but he saw that that godly sorrow in my heart, that sorrow that brought true repentance, the sorrow that brought true repentance in your life, amen. And so uh, when we look at God and say, I need you to help me, I need you to touch me, I'm, I'm talking to people today that can all stand and say, he met me there, amen. I, his hand, one songwriter said, his hand reached further down than I can reach up. When I poured my heart out to God, he was right there. Amen. Repentance is being honest with God. It's being honest with myself, confessing my guilt. I'm thankful to have been water baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, I, of course, I think my mom and dad and and or my mom and dad didn't decide for me to be baptized. But but when I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized, I believe it was the coldest day that Florida had ever seen, and you probably feel that same way. We had a baptistry, but it was on the outside. So thankful we didn't have to go to the river to the pond but we had a baptistry but it was on the outside and uh at that particular church and and I remember being baptized and nearly freezing to death and so I'll never forget some aspects of being baptized Amen. But I'm thankful that I was baptized in his name. And when I went down in his name, amen, Peter told the Jews that had gathered in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, he told them what to do. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or for the removal of your sins. That's Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. This is not contrary to Matthew 28 and 19. This is the fulfillment of Matthew 28 and 19. Amen. There is a name of the Father and there is a name of the Son and there is a name of the Holy Ghost and that name is Jesus. Amen. I am a father. I am a husband. I am an uncle. I am a friend. I have a lot of titles and a lot of positions just like you but I am just one person. Amen. And when I write my name, I write a check, I got to sign that dotted line. I can't just put father. I can't put husband. I can't put uncle. I've got to write down my given name. And so when sign and Peter stood, remember this, he stood with the other 11 that were also there present and when Matthew recorded in 28, 19 and he told them what to 
do, not what to say. Amen. And I think I'm thankful today that I went down in Jesus' name because it's his name that gives me authority. It's his name that washed away my sin. It's his name that separated the sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm thankful. Amen. That the word of the Lord teaches us. Jesus said that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in, in, in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and that's exactly what Simon Peter did when he called the meeting to order and he said here is what we need to do aren't you thankful for the power of being baptized in Jesus name praise God <coughs> praise God I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. At repentance, we confess our sins and we commit our lives to God. But our sins, amen, are forever washed away in a pool of baptism. Don't just get the Holy Ghost. Amen, you need to be baptized. Don't just get baptized. You need the Holy Ghost. Amen, we need all of this working together. We see baptism illustrated in the Old Testament where the tabernacle in the wilderness. The altar represented death where the blood was shed. The laver in the, in, in, the tab, in the tabernacle was for washing and it was for cleansing before the priest could move into the sanctuary. And so we find the symbolism of baptism all the way back in the Old Testament. Amen. the power and the gift and the wonder of receiving the Holy Ghost. I want you to know this morning that it is God's plan for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Receiving the Holy Ghost is as natural and normal as repenting and being baptized. It's a supernatural experience that cannot be explained by carnal man. I'm going to tell you, try as I may to describe to you about the Holy Ghost. My vocabulary is woefully inadequate, but I can tell you that wherever you are, wherever you were, ever how it happened, ever how it happens or unfolds. There's nothing like the power of feeling the Spirit of God move in our lives. Joel prophesied that the Spirit would be poured out on sons and daughters. Joel prophesied in chapter 2 and verse in, in chapter 2 and 28. Amen. He prophesied about the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And so when the power of the Lord began to move in the upper room, some thought they were drunk. Simon Peter said, no, no, no. They're not drunk. They're not what you think. Amen. And I've said so many times, but let me repeat it again. Amen. That when Simon Peter said this is that. He was affirming to them that this is not some unorthodox thing that we've created. This is not the idea of mankind, but this is the fulfillment of what Isaiah is talking about. This is the fulfillment of what Joel is talking about. And so I'm going to tell you today that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, your roots are not going to be just connected in some New Testament experience, but your roots are going to be connected all the way back to those old prophets that said this is going to come with an unknown tongue, with stammering lip. There's going to be a power that comes in and God is not going to write his word on tables of stone but he's going to write his word on a fleshly heart and I'm thankful that his word is in my heart. Praise God. Sometimes obstacles get in our way and not being unrealistic about this. Sometimes obstacles stand in the path of people that are wanting to receive the Holy Ghost. Sometimes those obstacles could be a, something as simple as doubt. Not that doubt is simple. But some may believe that the Holy Ghost is not for today. And many people teach that. Some people believe that the gift of the Spirit is just for certain people. Others teach that. Amen. I believe that in order to receive the Holy Ghost, I've got to believe one thing. This is for me. And if there is more, I want it. If there's a deeper level to take, if there's another journey, if there's another layer of this experience, my God, I want it. Sometimes something as simple as fear, and again, not that fear is simple, Fear may, may, may hinder people from receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
They may wonder about what am I going to do if I start living different, I might lose some friends. And you know what? There's a reality to that. You may lose a few friends along the way. Some may say, you know what? If I I receive this, if I make this step, I might not be able to live this Christian life. I'm going to tell you something. I've never lost a friend that God hasn't replaced. I've never lost anything that God hasn't replaced that and even more. Amen. I'm going to tell you, let me just set your mind at ease if you're afraid that you won't be able to live this life can I tell you that he's not going to give you something and then not empower you he's not going to call you to something and then not empower you to live and you know what the things that you used to love you're going to not love those anymore and some things you didn't really see the necessity of it's going to be born in your heart and you're going to say I am going to have to have that amen 2 Timothy 1 and 7, a scripture that my wife and I have given so many people through the years when we're talking about fear. We need to remember that God hath not given us to the spirit of fear. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so I tell you today in Jesus' name, I want to speak to the paralysis of fear and tell you to let go and just let God and just step out and step up and God will baptize you with his power and he'll give you the strength if he has to give it to you one day at a time God will give you the strength to live for him yes he will yes he will yes he will amen some have failed to receive the Holy Ghost over the issue of pride amen I don't, I'm not going to humble myself I don't want to do that maybe some have said I don't want to embarrass myself I'm going to tell you something Amen. You fall in love with him, it won't be an embarrassment. I'll promise you that. I'll promise you that. I've got to learn to bring my obedience into the will of God, submit myself to him. And when I do that and yield myself to him, he's going to, he's going to do whatever is necessary in my life. I promise you this. Amen. The Lord is going to assist us in anything he calls on us to do. I'm thankful for the atmosphere of worship and praise. In our service this morning, even, and uh, it's, certainly the pro, it's certainly something we find commonplace, and I say that humbly, but I'm thankful for the spirit and the liberty of worship and praise. I'm thankful for people that step out of their seat, and, and that's not a prerequisite, but I'm thankful for people that just say, you know, I just want to kind of walk around in this and enjoy this a little bit. In that same atmosphere, the spirit of the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. That the atmosphere was charged. The atmosphere was set for the Spirit of God to be able to move in. Amen. I'm going to tell you that the, that, that the worship was so intense in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, I mentioned a moment ago that some who did not know what was going on thought those that were there, amen, were a drunk on wine. Amen. But, he, but Simon said, they're not drunk. What, they're not what you think. But this is the Spirit of God. You know, the Holy Ghost can manifest itself and there's multiple testimonies even right here in this sanctuary today of how people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to just mention a few that the Bible talks about. Amen. The Bible talks about some receiving the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. The revival at Samaria reached its apex with uh, with Peter and John laying hands on believers. And when they laid hands on them, they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing wrong with that. That, that, can, that can certainly happen. I've laid hands on people and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't me. It wasn't this hand. It was just a point of contact and that faith that came into their heart. Amen. Acts 8 and 17 says they laid their, when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. After John's disciples at Ephesus were baptized, I read that a moment ago, Paul laid his hands on them and they began to receive the Holy Ghost and the scripture says, and they spake with tongues. These two biblical examples just reveal one method that, that people uh, experience when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you today that people can receive the Holy Ghost just by hearing the word? What I'm saying is this, to take all doubt out, that you can receive the Holy Ghost right now. In Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, we give the account, the, the, the scripture gives us the account of Cornelius and his household 
These were the first Gentiles to ever receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But they were so hungry from God, so hungry for a move of God, they had already repented of their sins. They were ready to receive the Spirit of God. And the Bible says in Acts 10, 44, that while Peter was preaching, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with tongues as God gave the utterance. Amen. I've had experiences like that in our own ministry where while I was preaching, people have stood up right where they were. Amen. There was no music. There was no singing. Nobody around them to lay hands on them. Nobody to confuse them by saying, hold on and let go. They just stood up and lifted their arms and they just began to pray and the Spirit of the Lord baptized them in the Holy Ghost. Peter commanded them when they received the Holy Ghost to be baptized in Acts 10, 48. And from these examples that are given to us in the book of Acts, we are really trying to draw this conclusion that there is no set pattern to receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can receive the Holy Ghost standing. You can receive the Holy Ghost sitting. (laughs) You can receive the Holy Ghost while you're walking. You can receive the Holy Ghost in your home. You can receive the Holy Ghost anywhere. I'm going to tell you that just last Sunday, amen, in behind prison walls, when men were being baptized last Sunday in a prison service, four men received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, three of them in the water. One of them didn't even, wasn't even in the water and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God, we don't need to put God in a box and say, well, I gotta wait till we get to this certain song. I gotta wait till we get to this certain place in the service. Can I tell you, amen, there are people sitting in this room today that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in their bed, in their home, amen, in the middle of the night. There is no set pattern to how God can move in your life. Praise God. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. There is nothing that can convince you of the Holy Ghost evidence with speaking in tongues any more. I know I'm painting with a broad brush when, you, when I say this, but, uh, but just follow me. There, uh, there's, there's hardly anything that I can think of that validates Holy Ghost infilling with the evidence of speaking with other tongues than children. <laughs> Youth camps, children's church, children's crusades, those young children come down. They haven't been schooled. They haven't been, they, you say this, you do that. Amen. They just in their childlike faith just respond to what they're feeling. And when they respond to what they're feeling, amen, their tear, their hands are raised, tears are flowing. And in just a moment, they are speaking with other tongues. Not as mama taught them, not as daddy, not as Sunday school teacher, not as pastor taught them. Amen. But they are just releasing. Amen. They don't have a lot of the baggage that we have. Can you just say amen? And they just stay step out into the, into the reality of God's word and God fulfills his plan in their life. Amen. The initial evidence, that initial evidence on the day of Pentecost was speaking in tongues. And it was one of the common signs displayed throughout all the New Testament where you find the infilling of the spirit all through Acts. It was not just the 12 apostles who spoke with tongues. It was not even just the 120 believers that spoke with new tongues. Amen. But as the spirit began to move and and the church began to spread, that experience began to spread. I'm thankful today to realize that this is not just to a select few, but I mentioned a moment ago, and I just want to underline it again, that it is to whosoever will. Those that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, I believe that beyond... That beyond receiving the Holy Ghost, that there is going to be some physical evidence that the Spirit of God is moving. When the Gentiles in the household of Cornelius, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the physical sign there was speaking in tongues. Amen. It drew a, it drew a specific attention. The Bible says in Acts ten forty six, for they heard them speak with tongues. Amen. It is a universal evidence. I remember uh, 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 I remember a pastor many years ago saying something that it sounds pretty fundamental, to, especially to the musicians that are in the house. But he said, you know, if 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 he he was in band many years of his life and involved in music many years in his earlier life, and then involved in music the rest of his life, and he said. 
said, you know, if, if you tune your instrument to the key of, if you turn, tune your instrument to a certain key and you're in the state of Maine, he said, when you go to, when you go to California, that's going to be the very same. Amen. He said, when you lay out a sheet of music, whatever you play in California, if you play that again in Maine, you're going to play that. It's going to be the same identical thing. Amen. There's going to be a universal evidence of the Spirit of God. And so I'll tell you today that people get the Holy Ghost in America just like they get the Holy Ghost in the Philippines. Amen. They get the Holy Ghost. They get the Holy Ghost in the South just like they get it in the North. Amen. That universal evidence of the Spirit of God pouring out. People all across our nation and all around the world are experiencing the Holy Ghost infilling with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives evidence. I'm thankful for the revival reports around our world. I'm thankful for the revival reports across our district and around our nation. Amen. Yes, it is dark outside. And yes, it does seem like that sin is running rampant in the streets of our cities today. But can I tell you, this is one of the greatest opportunities the church has ever had because the darker it is outside, amen, the darker it is outside, we need to rise and not just have church, but we need to be the church. Amen, this is not the time to be silent and this is not the time to just stand and be counted. Amen, but this is the time to put the trumpet of truth to our lips. I'm gonna tell you, you cannot, you cannot. I was talking to someone recently and one of the things that he felt so disillusioned about is he said, I see people that profess to be this and to be that and they talk about going to church every weekend and every midweek service. He said, but when I see them in the week, when I deal with them in business, when I see them other places, he said, I really wonder about if that's how they were acting Sunday. Are you really talking like that? Is this how you were talking Sunday? Can I tell you today that we can't dress up and play church? We can't dress up and pretend church. We can't just wax all spiritual while we're together, but I need the Holy Ghost to keep me, to lead me, and to guide me. Hallelujah. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us because you just never know. Amen. I was around outside working uh, a couple of days ago, one day this week, and well, several days, but one day I had to run to Lake City at the last minute and and I really didn't have time to change, didn't feel like changing. To be honest with you, I didn't look like a bum, but I didn't look like a preacher either. (laughs) And so I thought, well, I need to get uh, certain things, so I thought about I'll go to this store and I went kind of in the back way and I'll just slip in and slip out. No harm, no foul. So I rounded the corner and this man just made eye contact with me. He sort of stared. You ever felt like somebody's staring like, like they recognize you? And uh, so we just kind of nodded. And I went around, went around the next aisle. We ran each other again. Same stare, same nod. <laughs> Honestly, third aisle. Because I didn't know where I was and where I was going. I knew what I was looking for, but I was certainly in search of it. And in the third aisle, there he was again, same stare, same nod. Finally, he says, you look very familiar to me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, I, uh, I, was, I was trying to think of what to say. And before I could even say anything, he said, are you a Pentecostal preacher? <laughs> Jeans and a shirt, and I got a ball cap sucked down on my head. It's like, well... I said, yes, sir, I am. And uh, he said, well, what's your name? I introduced myself. He goes, well, Brother Boyd. He said, I go to Brother Olson's church. He said, I just saw you last weekend. I was like, <laughs> you looked a little different last weekend, but I just saw you this last weekend. You just never know. I'm glad he didn't catch me in the wrong place. Amen. I'm glad I wasn't doing the wrong thing. Amen, because you just never know. I said, well, I said, what in the world are you doing over here? I said, oh, man, we're camping out. You just never know where you're going to run into somebody. Amen. I'm going to bring this to a close. I'm going to ask you to stand and our musicians to come. What I've been talking to you about today is real. It's not just our slant, not our opinion. I don't know of a more important topic more important subject and I don't want to preach past any moment here but I just want to share something with you 
not long ago I was in attending a service and a young man it was actually brother welch brother paul welch's funeral and one of his grandsons got up to say something and he used an illustration he said something happened to me when he was about 3 or 4 years old and he said now i don't remember it because he was so young but he said but my family has just told the story through the years and so i've just held on to it and he said one night my he called him papa Brother Welch, he said, one night my papa was preaching and he called me up on the platform. And he said, I, I was standing there and he said, my papa reached in his pocket and he pulled out a $100 bill. And then he pulled out a piece of peppermint. He said, now what would you like to have? And he said, because I was just a child. I reached for the candy. And I reached for that that today I know was going to be gone in just minutes. Not realizing that this would have bought a lot of these. And I don't know this man and I don't know his past. I don't know his story. But he said, I didn't have an understanding of what this was. And so I traded this for this. And then he said, later in life, I got in, grown and married and I wanted to be a success. And so he said, I started chasing this. And he said, this is all I thought about. I didn't just want a little, I wanted a lot. And then before anybody could even think, he took and he reached down and he picked up his papa's Bible. And he said, but again, I didn't understand the difference of the value of this and this. And this is going to go up and down in value. And we may well live to see this worth nothing. But this. This is everlasting. This is eternal. This is not going anywhere. So I'm going to tell you what this preacher has done today. While I've been teaching and preaching, I've been holding up this. I've been holding up this. And now you have a decision to make. He said, well, that's unfair. No. Time and chance happen to all. And today we don't know whose time and chance it really is. I'm going to tell you, eternity is too long to be wrong. It's too long to be wrong. I, I might can risk a lot of things, but I can't risk my soul. And can I tell you that the Holy Ghost... The Holy Ghost is for you. It is for you. If you have never received it, you're in the right place today. If you strayed away, you're in the right place today. Don't trade this for something that'll be gone in a moment. Don't trade this for something that is eternally sure. I've said it countless, countless, countless times. That you're never ever going to give up anything to go to heaven. That you won't eventually have to give up to go to hell. So, well, I just like the life that I'm living. Well, you're not always going to be living that life. You're going to give it up to go somewhere. Why don't you give it up now? Why don't you just say yes today? <laughs> Praise God. Come on, church. Let's respond. Amen. If you're here today, amen, come on church and just make it comfortable. We're not going to embarrass anybody. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.